morning. <laughs> hey, it's great to see you all this morning. Uh, my name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor. So if it's your very first time here, welcome. Uh, we're thrilled you've come to join us here at Connect. Um, if it's not your first time, in fact, if you were with us the last couple of weeks, you will know the uh, immense amount of pressure that I am under here this morning, standing before you, because two weeks ago, uh, we had a guest speaker, a young lady by the name of Rashida, a friend of ours here at Connect. She had a phenomenal message. Rashida grew up in the north side of Peoria in Taft Homes, uh, was born to a, a single mom, addicted to drugs, but God got a hold of her life, turned it around. She's in New York City now, uh, teaching kids in Brooklyn about how much Jesus loves them and how he can turn their life around. Last Sunday, we had a guest join me in the service, a young lady from uh, locally here, Julie Lockmore. She shared the powerful story about how her, her son Dax died of cancer when he was just a couple of years old and God's taken her on this journey since then of uh, raising uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars through the Dax Foundation to help the St. Jude Children's Hospital down in Memphis. So uh, there's been a lot of tears in our services over the last couple of weeks. In fact, the truth is that I feel like you've now come to expect a tear to be shed on a Sunday morning. That's the pressure I'm under is I'm here now following that. So, uh, so instead of preaching this morning, we're just going to watch some Nicholas Spark movies. Okay, so the notebook. Let's go. No, I'm kidding. There'll be no crying today, so maybe you'll be pleased to hear that. There's uh, nothing I will say this morning that will bring you to tears, I don't think. Um, maybe towards the end, when I just keep going on and on, there'll be some cries of, will you please just shut up? But um, no crying, no tears to be shed. But this morning, we're actually talking about uh, this idea of the journey. Because two reasons. So, so the holidays, Christmas time, Thanksgiving, uh, they can be very uh, tidy, can't they, with traveling. Maybe you've got people who uh, will be making their way to your home this Christmas to spend Christmas with you. Maybe you'll be packing up the car and, and heading to grandma's or an in-laws or somewhere for Christmas. And there's just that sense, isn't there, when it's around Christmas time of, of journeys that take place. But when we go back 2,000 years ago, and we look, about the look at the story of the birth of Jesus, we discover that there were also some journeys that took place back then. There were also some journeys that were, that were wrapped up in the story of Jesus and his birth. Last week, we talked about the journey that Mary was upon. You know, Mary grew up, this young girl, this teenage girl. She was uh, kind of back of beyonds, real kind of obscure little town. No one knew who she was, but God had this incredible plan for her life took her on a journey that she had no idea he was going to take her upon, changed her life forever and changed our lives as a result of her story. This was the journey that Mary was on. And this morning, we're going to look at another journey that a rather unlikely group of individuals took when they heard the news of Jesus. So to set up the group I want to speak about this morning, I want to ask a question. Um, have you ever found yourself in a place where you just felt like you didn't belong? Maybe you were in a group of people or in an environment or in a, a place where you just felt like, you know, I don't know that I fit in this place, in this space right now. 
I felt that way. Uh, several years ago, Case and I, we lived up in the suburbs of Chicago. And uh, while we were living there, we had some friends and they were involved in um, buying some houses to use as rental properties. And uh, they were doing this and they were doing it through a contact they had. And they were telling me all about this. And they said, you should get involved in this. Maybe this is something you'd be interested in doing. And they said, why don't you come and meet our friend? He's going to be talking about this. And um, I was interested. So I said, yeah, I'll come meet him. So they gave me this address and it was about 45 minutes away. So I remember leaving to head to meet this person, um, assuming that when I got there, it's just going to be my friends, myself, and this individual. Uh, But they hadn't told me everything about this particular meeting. And when I arrived at the address, I discovered it was this kind of really nice, exclusive golf club in the suburbs of Chicago. I remember pulling into the golf club thinking, this is a strange place to meet, and getting out of the car, and I was wearing jeans and an old sweatshirt, and I walked in, and they were my friends, and they were actually dressed really nice. Like, he had a suit on, she had a dress, and I'm like, what's going on here? And they're like, yeah, he's, he's just in here, and we walk in, and then we go into this, like, uh, room where there were, like, dozens of people. I mean, I, I bet there was, like, 50-plus people, all in suits, ties, dresses, And then one guy in a sweatshirt, a pair of jeans. I mean, I really felt out of place. I'm looking around. It wasn't one of those deals where, you know, some people were dressed casually. I mean, everyone was dressed nice, except for one guy. Now, obviously, if I'd known it was going to be a real fancy event like that, I wouldn't have worn an old sweatshirt. I'd have worn jeans and a nice plaid shirt. But... um, I didn't know. So here I am in my old sweatshirt, and I just, all night long, I just felt like, you know, people were going to come up to me and say, hey, I spilled my drink. Do you know where the mop and bucket is? Or could you, here's my valet ticket. Can you go and get my car? I just, I just didn't feel like I belonged in this group of people. Well, there was a group around the time of the birth of Jesus who felt like that every single day of their lives because these people were shepherds. They were shepherds, and in in the New Testament times, in the time in which Jesus was born into, shepherds were a a unique profession. There was was a skill needed to be a shepherd. You had to watch sheep, and it was a, um, a skilled job. But in society's terms, it was kind of looked down upon. Shepherds were considered somewhat of a lower class. If they were around people, and to be honest, they weren't around people a lot because most of their lives were spent out in the fields watching sheep. But from time to time, their profession would bring them into town to maybe sell the sheep or to interact with other people. And when they came into town, they would probably have felt the way I felt in that room that day, that I just don't quite fit in. I don't belong amongst these people. Because of their profession and their proximity to livestock, they were considered unclean, so they couldn't even go to the temple to worship, along with the other Jews and Gentiles. So they carried with them this this kind of identity of not belonging, not being worthy, not being accepted. So it's important to understand that this morning, because if there was a group of people who you would least expect to be delivered some of the most important news ever. It would be shepherds. In fact, I think the group that was most surprised that the news that was brought was probably the shepherds themselves. 
We're going to read about it here this morning. Uh, a guy by the name of Luke. So we have, we have four gentlemen who all write the story of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and Luke really go into a lot of detail about the birth of Jesus. And Luke tells us a lot about the birth of Jesus. And Luke tells us the story of the shepherds. So we're going to read that this morning, and we're going to learn that the shepherds found themselves taking uh, a journey, a journey to meet this baby that they've heard about. But let's find out how they even got invited to go on this journey in the first place. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The angels show up, bringing this incredible announcement to a group of shepherds out in a field. We're going to take a look in a second here at the journey that these shepherds went on, but I think we need to pause here just for a second and and do what I did this week as I was preparing this message and, and ask ourselves the question, why shepherds? Of all the people God could have brought this news to, We've read the New Testament. We've read the the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we know who was alive and, and living at that time. There were kings and rulers. There were Pharisees, Sadducees, religious elites. There were tax collectors and fishermen who had who had very upstanding jobs in the community. There was a lot of people who the angels could have appeared to and shared this news. But for some reason, they chose an obscure kind of bottom of the rung of the ladder of society group of people in the shepherds. Well, I think we can learn something from that this morning. I think we can be encouraged. I think we can also see um, a little bit of a method here of how God communicates his message to people. You see, I was thinking about this and praying about this this week, and, and several people, they, they, it never says in the Bible, there's nowhere that says, and the angel appeared to the shepherds, and he, he gave them this news, and, and here's why God chose the shepherds. That, that just isn't there. So we are left to speculate and to wonder why God would choose to bring this message to the shepherds. But I had this thought this week. So go with me here. This is the thought I had. So, so imagine that the angel, instead of the shepherds out in the field, imagine the angel showed up in somebody's home in the middle of the city. It could be a key figure. It could have been the mayor. Or it could have been the, the president of the bank or a fisherman or a tax collector, someone. And, and the angel shows up in that house. He says, I bring great news, good news. And he, he tells the story. And we read earlier, didn't we, that when the angel delivered the news that the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And then an army of angels appeared in the sky. Now think about it. If if the angel had chosen someone in the city, everyone would have known. The whole city would have been talking about it. 
Here's how I know, because uh, about a month, a couple of months ago, I got a text out of the blue from my son. My oldest son is a freshman in college, and his school is about 45 minutes outside of um, St. Louis. And uh, just out of the blue, he sends me this text one day uh, to me and his mum. He says, Mum, Dad, um, guess what just happened? And this is one evening. He says, we got out of my car and looked over. He was with some friends that night. We got out of my car and looked over into the sky because something bright caught our eye. A huge ball of green and orange fell for about a second, and we saw it come and then go it was a meteor so we get this text from Ben that night just like crazy excited the next morning he sends us another text with a link to a video because the next morning as St. Louis woke up everyone was talking about this meteor because all over the city of Louis, St. Louis, people had seen it. And not just people had seen it, cameras and security cameras, even doorbell cameras had caught it. Check out this video that he sent me. So that had happened this night, and Ben sent me a link to that video, and he's like, Dad, here's the text he sent me. He said, the video doesn't do it justice, but it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Right place, right time. We thought it was aliens, seriously. <laughs> that a boy. I mean, we're, we're literally talking about the angel here. My son grew up in the church. Why would his first guest not be the angels? It's aliens. It has to be aliens. <laughs> The next morning, everyone was talking about it because so many people had seen it. And I feel like I want to say, God, you know, I think it's cool that you chose the shepherds, but imagine if you'd done that in the city. Everyone would have been talking. If the angels had showed up at nighttime to bring news of this baby being born, everyone would have known. The whole city would have known. Even if they hadn't seen the angels, they'd be telling the neighbors, we just saw this bright light. Surely, God, that would have made more sense, you know, to, to tell everyone at once. But for some reason, God chose, instead of showing up in the city where everyone could see, God chose to allow the angels to show up in an obscure field out in the middle of nowhere to speak to a, um, a, the lowest level of people in that day, the shepherds, to deliver some of the most important news ever. So as I said, I got to thinking about this this week. God, why, why would you do things this way? And, and here's what I thought. So this is my thinking here this morning. Here's, here's a thought I had. Maybe the reason God was showing up like this is to teach us something. And, and I think this is kind of pretty powerful for us today in today's age. Because if we're followers of Jesus here this morning, I think we can learn a little bit of a lesson from here. Because I think followers of Jesus today, we, we fall into a little bit of a trap sometimes. In the way in which we follow Jesus, we fall into this trap. And I'll explain what the trap is. We, we get really excited and really passionate about um, whether our politicians or presidents, whether they are followers of Christ or not, because we really want to make sure that whoever's in charge is a, a follower of Jesus, because it'll have such a huge impact on our country if they are. And then we get really excited, don't we, when uh, a couple of months ago, Kanye West, he says, you know, I've become a follower of Jesus, he's a part of my life now, and I was reading all these posts, and everyone's like, this is so great, this is brilliant, because now, you know, he's on this pedestal, millions of people will get to hear about Jesus because of Kanye West. And don't get me wrong, these are great things, but here's the thing, when I look back at that story, I learn 
that the gospel of Luke teaches us that God can take obscure and poor people and use them to transform the world. And I think in the same way, he wants to use us, you and me, to make a difference in the communities in which we live. Now, please don't misunderstand me here this morning. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. It is incredibly important. It's our civic duty to vote, to pray, to ask God to lead us in how we should pray for the, the leaders and the people in charge of our communities in our country. I want every pop star to become a Christian. I want every celebrity to become a follower of Jesus. I, I'm thrilled when that happens. But what I don't want to do, and I think sometimes we fall into this trap, what I don't want to do is sit back and, and kind of relax and say, well, well, the solution is if this person was a follower of Jesus, if this position of power was a follower of Jesus, if this person in leadership was a follower of Jesus, if this celebrity, then that's how the word will be spread. Because the danger is we won't take the initiative ourselves. We'll kind of lean towards that being the answer and we'll step back and, and we won't do anything ourselves. I don't think, and when I look at the story of the shepherds here, God could have told kings, he could have told rulers, the word could have been spread on a national level. But instead he chose this kind of viral campaign telling these shepherds this good news that they then carried. And you know what? 2,000 years later, we're still talking about those shepherds. We're still talking about the shepherds and the news that they brought. And here's the other reason I love that God chose shepherds. Because sometimes I think we, we look to these leaders to, to spread the gospel because maybe when we look in the mirror, we see someone and we think, well, well, God couldn't use me. God couldn't use me to make a difference. I'm not sure that people would want to listen to what I have to say. You know what? 2,000 years ago, he chose some shepherds the least likely group of people to carry the most important news ever. But God sent an angel to an obscure field in the middle of nowhere to tell a small group of people, but it did something in their lives. It changed who they were. It sent them on a journey. Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 16 when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. I love that. I love that the shepherds said, we need to go on a journey. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened. It wasn't enough just to hear from the angels. And let's be honest, it had to have been a pretty spectacular sight sat out in the fields those night, that night and the sky being lit up like I would imagine as bright as day. Hearing this, this angelic choir proclaiming the birth of Jesus. And I don't think the reason the shepherds went is because they didn't believe the, the angels. I think they were pretty compelling. <laughs> I think when that, I think anything they would have said in that moment, the shepherds would have said, I believe that. But it wasn't enough just to hear for them to believe. They wanted to see it with their own eyes. And off they went on this journey. And I get that. I get that. You see, I was thinking about it this week, and um, for some of you who uh, know, I've, I've shared this before, I'm not a dog guy, okay? I'm not. I'm a cat guy. I think cats are awesome. I kind of thought, think dogs are dumb, but um, I know, I know, it's very divisive here to have that, but I just, I just, I just think cats are cool. Anyway, 
A few months ago, something changed in the Jane household. A few months ago, I went from being not a dog guy that didn't own a dog to now being not a dog guy that does own a dog. <laughs> yes, things have changed in our household. My, my beautiful daughter, Emma, who's 12 years old, for many years I've been talking about how wonderful it would be if there's a dog as part of our family. And, and finally, after many years and promising that she would look after it, <laughs> um, yeah, some of you parents know how that goes. She wore us down, and we now own a dog. Now, he's a great dog, and I get it. I, I'm starting to understand the dog thing now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting you dog owners. I, I see what it's all about. I mean, that, that guy is so pleased to see me every time I get home. My cats could not care less about me. I mean, they're just like walking past, like, oh, you again, feed me. You know, the dogs are like, I love you. Where have you been? I've missed you so much. I've literally just gone out to get the mail, and he's so excited when I come back. He's like, oh, you, you were gone so long. So I get it. There's just this unconditional love. But, but the truth is, as much as this dog loves us, there's one member of our family that he just kind of loves the most, okay? Casey, my wife. He just loves Casey. Sometimes I'll come home by myself. I'll walk in the front door and he'll run up and see me and then he'll just go to the door. I'm like, it's just me, buddy. It's just me. Mom, Casey's not home. He just hangs out by the door. He's just disappointed. It's only me. But I think the reason he loves Casey so much is she spends a lot of time with him because she's been teaching him these tricks. She's been working really hard to teach him these tricks. Now, I'm going to tell you about one of his tricks in a minute, but I, I do want to explain that I, I kind of understand, like I said, I understand the dog thing. So maybe you've seen this, uh, a picture like this on the internet for us dads. So dad, under no circumstances are we getting a dog. Two weeks later, <laughs> dad and the dog. So in our house, this has kind of happened. So the picture looks like this instead. But two weeks later, there's me and the dog. So, so he's, he's won me over, I will admit that. But... Um, Casey teaches him these tricks, and he's doing all sorts of tricks. So she'll call me sometimes at work, and I'll get a call or I'll text, and she'll be like, hey, I taught the dog a new trick, and she'll tell me what he can do, and I'm like, awesome, that's cool. <laughs> you know, and so, so I got a text one day, and it's like, hey, I've taught Surrey, that's the dog's name, I've taught Surrey a new trick, now he can wave. I'm like, awesome, we got a dog who waves, that's amazing, so... But for me, it's not enough just to receive the text and be excited that we now have a dog that waves. I want to get home that night, and I want to see the dog wave. I want to actually see it with my own eyes. As exciting as this really sounds that we now have a dog that waves, I want to see this dog waving. So, and I know you want to see this dog waving as well. So just for you this morning, here's Surrey waving. <laughs> Surrey, can you wave? Wave big. He waves big as well. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. <laughs> yes, let's... Are, are you really... You're clapping for the dog? I, I've spoken for 20 minutes and the only round of applause so far has been because the dog can wave. That's awesome. <laughs> she does great. And, and what Casey has learned is that, um, you know, by rewarding him, so she has this bag full of treats and every time the dog learns a trick, she gives him a treat and the more treats she gives him, the, more, the better he does with the tricks and no wonder he loves her the most because she gives him treats all the time. But she's really realizing this whole treat thing works. In fact, just the other day after dinner, I put my plate in the dishwasher and she came up, she goes, good job. She gave me a junior mint. And uh, <laughs> now the kitchen's really clean all the time. It's like totally working. So she's really mastered this whole uh, treat thing. It's a silly example, but the truth is, as exciting as it is to get a text and find out that the dog can wave, there's nothing like actually seeing the dog wave when you get home. 
I think the shepherds were excited that night in the field to hear the news, but it wasn't enough just to hear the news. There was something about them that wants to go on a journey of discovery to see with their own eyes what the shepherds were talking about. So off they went on that journey. Off they went to, to see Jesus. And you know what's fascinating? When you read the account by Luke, it doesn't really talk much about what they did, what they said, how it impacted them when they got there. It just says that they went to see Jesus. But obviously something happened. Obviously something happened when they arrived to see Jesus with their own eyes. Because when they met Jesus, when they arrived at that, that, that house, that manger, when they saw that baby... It inspired them to take a second journey. See, I don't know if you've thought about this before, but there were actually two journeys that the shepherds went upon. Some of you have been tracking with me this morning. You already knew before I got started. I know what he's going to talk about. He's talking about the shepherds. I know the journey he's talking about. It's them going to see Jesus as a baby. But, but actually, there were two, shep- two journeys that the shepherds took. The first was to see that baby Jesus, the second Luke talks about in verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The shepherds left and they told everyone. There was a journey that took the shepherds from the field to the manger to meet this baby that they'd been told about. And it changed their lives. So much so that there was another journey the shepherds took. And that was to tell everyone what they had seen and heard. Do you remember earlier we were talking about the, the angels appearing to the shepherds and they use this phrase that says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Well, the Greek word, so, so the original language that this letter Luke wrote would have been Greek, okay? So the Greek word that he uses there for good news is a word called euangelon, euangelon. It's a word that Luke continues to use throughout his whole letter to talk about good news. Because when Luke talks about this euangelon, it's it's more than just good news like, hey, it's going to be sunny tomorrow, or hey, you've won the lottery. It's more than just, you know, the phrase good news. It's a bigger sense of good news. This euangelon, every time it was spoken about throughout the Gospels when talking about Jesus, it was the good news of Jesus himself. It was specifically the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. In fact, that Greek word gets translated into Latin, uh, and it gets translated evangelium, which is the source of our words evangelist and evangelism. And if you're familiar with those words, an evangelist is somebody who brings good news. Evangelism is the, the act of sharing good news. And in the context of Christianity, in the context of Jesus, that good news from the angels was that a baby had been born. The Messiah had been born. Later, the, the disciples, they would go on, and a guy by the name of Paul in the New Testament, you can read that they then started to, to share that same good news throughout the whole area and across the world as evangelists. 
Their good news grew. It, wasn't, it didn't end just with the birth of this baby. It continued on with the life of this, this baby, this man, this baby one day would become. They talked about his, his ministry and the great works he did, the people he healed, the stories he told, the teaching he brought, how he brought this, this Old Testament teaching to life. How at the end of his life he was arrested tried, crucified, and died. But that that wasn't the end of the story. This, this, this good news, this euangelon that was preached throughout the world was that after his death, three days later, that baby who grew to be a man, he rose again. We saw him, the disciples said, we saw him, others saw him, crowds of people saw him. 2,000 years later, we're still sharing this good news because that same Jesus who rose again, he still has an impact on the lives of us this morning who are followers of Jesus. That's the good news that the angels were bringing. When they said, we bring good news, it was so much more than just good news. It was an incredible story. And when the shepherds left Mary and Joseph that day, it was to do what the angels had done for them. Now the shepherds were the angels. Now the shepherds were sharing the good news. The shepherds had a story to tell. They didn't go straight back to the fields. They had to tell somebody. They had to go and tell others about this amazing baby that had been born. So what I discovered as I was preparing for this message this week is that there were two journeys that the shepherds went on. There was a journey to meet Jesus and then there was a journey to tell others about Jesus. A journey that they took to meet Jesus, to discover him. And then that inspired them on a second journey to tell others about Jesus. And, and this Christmas time, my hope and my prayer is that every one of you this morning finds yourself on one of those two journeys. Because the truth is, we could be on a different journey altogether. We could be stationary going nowhere. But I hope and pray that every one of you this morning relates to the shepherds in that you find yourself on one of those two journeys. Maybe this morning, like the shepherds, you're on that first journey. You've, you've heard about Jesus. You've heard about Jesus. It could be a friend's told you. You could have grown up going to church. It's been a long time since you've been at church, but you feel like coming back at Christmas time is a good time to, to kind of maybe reconnect with that faith of your childhood. But you're on this journey of discovery, this journey to meet Jesus that you've heard about. I hope and pray that this Christmas time you find him. You discover him. You discover the greatest gift this Christmas was actually the gift that God sent us in the form of his son. And that the greatest gift you can give this Christmas is by giving your life to him saying, I want to follow Jesus. I'm tired of trying in my own strength to go my own direction. It just hasn't worked up, out up till now. And I want to turn around. I want to go in a different direction. I want to follow Jesus. I want my life to be different. I hope and pray that if that's the journey you're on this morning, that it'll lead you to a place of discovering that baby who was born in a manger, who grew up to become a man, who still changes lives today. But maybe you're on a second journey this morning. Maybe you are somebody who has encountered Jesus. It could have been recently. It could have been years ago. But I hope this morning your challenge will be, as you look at the shepherds, how they responded after meeting Jesus.
They had to tell somebody. They had to become the evangelist. They had this good news that had to be shared. They couldn't wait to get out. And, and Luke says, doesn't he, that um, after seeing this, they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Because that story, it impacted others when they heard it. We have, as followers of Jesus, a story to tell others that can astonish them. It's the life-changing power of Jesus, the difference he's made in our lives. And, and sharing that with somebody who has yet to discover Jesus, it can be astonishing. But we have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to share that good news. And that's why I think God chose those shepherds. Because he could have gone through kings or rulers. But I think he chose ordinary people like you and me, to be the people that would carry that good news to their friends, their neighbors, the people in the communities. And that word spread. So do you find yourself on one of those two journeys this morning? Are you on a journey that's leading you towards Jesus? Or are you on a journey this morning that because of your discovery of Jesus is leading you to a place of wanting to tell others? Christmas is a great time to tell others about Jesus because the very story of Jesus is all around us. It's in nativity scenes and it's in movies and it's in decorations. It's all around us. So, so maybe it's just a case of us as followers of Jesus praying and saying, God, please give me an opportunity to share that good news this Christmas. Please give me an opportunity to be an evangelist this Christmas and, and, and to share that good news. And if that door opens, Lord, give me the, the faith and the courage to walk through. And if my friend or my neighbor or my colleague, and we get into a conversation, and, and I have the opportunity to share about what Jesus has done in my life, please, God, give me that opportunity. I don't want to miss a chance to share the great news of what Jesus has done this Christmas time. So let's be praying for those opportunities praying that when they present themselves, we'll have the courage to, to respond and share the news of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that there is such a, a great amount we can learn as we read about your birth and your life, your death and your resurrection. But even in the way that you brought the news of your birth to just ordinary people, Lord, encourages us this morning that you can use us, ordinary people. Lord, in this room this morning, we have leaders in our community. We have leaders in business. We have people who are husbands, wives, families, individuals, students. I mean, we're across the board, Lord. There's different people represented from every walk of life here this morning. But every single one of us, wherever we find ourselves, can relate to the idea that if you're able to use ordinary shepherds to tell a story that 2,000 years later we are still talking about, then you can use the likes of us. So God, for those who are on a journey of discovery, I pray they would find you this Christmas time. That Jesus, they would find how real you are and how much you love us and how much you want to be a part of our lives. Let that happen this Christmas time. And for those of us here this morning who have already discovered you, 
Lord, help us not to get so busy in our lives and our work and uh, our situations that we miss those opportunities to share that exciting good news with our friends and neighbors and family and loved ones of what Jesus has done for us. Oh, bless everyone here, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.